Kansas City. What a way to open our season. Hello, friends. Jim Nance, Tony Romo, and right back to the site of the last three AFC championship games. I tell you yeah. what, this is exciting. Yeah. Arrowhead, first week of the season. How you getting better than this, Jim? If you're the Cleveland Browns coming in here, Tony, what an opportunity for them week one. Right back again at the site where their turnaround season ended back in January. Second and goal. Chop up ahead, and it's a touchdown. What a start to the season for the Cleveland Browns. Fourth and a foot. They hand it off, they trick him a little bit. Inside handoff, and that's Landry. Back into the red zone, putting together another great drive as Chubb has all kinds of room, and he can walk right into the end zone for the touchdown. We're already halfway through the third quarter. Browns have not seen the football in this half. And a second and eight coming up on the Cleveland 11. Right here is going to be the spot. Somebody over this middle of the ball right here. It's Kelsey. Kelsey reaches for the touchdown. Chubb again. Forget what looks like it. Oh, ball's on the ground, Tony. It's recovered by the Chiefs. Was that fast enough for you? who was in the locker room to start the quarter. And he crosses the goal line for a one-play strike from 75 yards. Extra point makes it 29-27. Hartman, who had a punt return for a touchdown last year. Watch out. Dillon did get a handle on it. And they've got him back at the 15-yard line. Snap is perfect and really... Dylan just drops it. That is literally the first time he's taken a punt today, right? Kelsey, Kelsey, non-stopping him. Finds the end zone for the lead and the touchdown. All kinds of bodies around him. He gets rid of it. And it's intercepted to ice the game. Mike Hughes. Welcome into the first episode of Browns Review. Today is Wednesday, September 15th. We have week one to talk about against the Kansas City Chiefs. So without further ado, let's get right into it. The Browns game was a tale of two halves. So the first half was really good for the Browns. It was actually incredible for the Browns. They ended up going into halftime with a 22-10 lead that they ended up blowing. In the first half, Baker Mayfield was 13-17, 231 yards. Chubb had two touchdowns. We had 98 rushing yards total. Two, I mean, what else could you have asked for? Three for three on the first three drives with touchdowns. We ended up going for it on the uh, fourth down play on the first drive and getting it. And then Patrick Mahomes tried to do the same thing. His Andy Reid wouldn't let him. And then in the second half, everything just kind of derailed. You know, the Nick Chubb fumble, the dropped uh, snap on the punt, and then the John Johnson overran ball that allowed Tyree Kill to score on that 75-yard touchdown pass. Those are my three plays that really define the loss in this game. The three plays that realistically lost the game for the Browns. And we can go back and look at some other stuff. There were some few, a few mistakes that Baker made in the second half, especially throwing the ball. But realistically, without those three plays, the Browns win that game because there was no other way that the Chiefs were going to be able to come back against an offense that was driving so well against them. One of the things that I do want to point out is that the defense could have played a little bit better, in my opinion. Um, I know that it's a lot to ask 
to stop the Chiefs and that three-headed monster they have in Tyreek Hill, Travis Kelsey, Patrick Mahomes. Realistically, the Browns needed to do something a little more on defense. They had they had they had to find a way to stop them. So the linebackers, I feel, missed a few tackles. They lacked a little bit of aggression, and the corners played a little bit soft. The defensive line, not so bad. Um, I thought they did a really great job stopping the run. Clyde Edwards-Hilaire had a long day, had a tough day. Uh, I mean, we only had the two sacks, the Joe Jackson sack, and then the sandwiched Patrick Mahomes in between Clowney and Miles Garrett. So outside of that, the defensive line, I mean, really wasn't much of a factor outside of keeping Edwards-Hilaire uh, from running all over us. Because the linebackers, like I said, they lacked a lot of aggression. I felt like they were moving slow. Anthony Walker seemed to be the only guy out there at times, I feel, as a linebacker. Um, Mac Wilson missing a few tackles again. Uh, but when we're talking about corners, uh, Greg Newsom had an awesome day, being his first day in the league. And realistically you couldn't have asked for a better day from him against a guy like Patrick Mahomes only one pass defended they wouldn't throw at him and realistically he looked like a complete starter in the National Football League uh, other cornerbacks I felt like played really well I, th I think Troy Hilda did an awesome job at nickel I think Reedy Williams was once again a little bit soft lacked a lot to be desired but Denzel Ward covered I mean like all day long you can't cover any better than what Denzel did uh, on Sunday against the Chiefs now he does once again he's he's soft and he's injury prone and all that I get that he can't really tackle but he can cover like crazy I mean it, it's insane how well he does and while we're on the defense why don't we go ahead and get to this Ronnie Harrison situation where he was uh, tossed out of the game for pushing a coach on the other bench so in my opinion I think obviously the broadcast team did a bad job of making Ronnie Harrison look like a really really bad guy um, the step he wasn't in my opinion he wasn't really stepping on Edwards Hilaire I think that he was trying to get through Edwards Hilaire lifted his leg it kind of caught his foot and he kind of just Put his started putting his foot down. I don't think he put any weight down, maybe like the slightest little bit. It's not like you saw Edward Tolaire freak out because he had just been stepped on. If if he would have been stepped on, he would have he would have been a little bit more reactive than he was. Meanwhile, the coach pushed him. Ronnie Harrison had a poor choice in judgment, obviously, to push back, and he was the one who was caught. Now, this isn't gonna go over well with the coaching staff, but it seems like they've already forgiven him basically and basically said that. Uh, it, it was a lot of fault with the Kansas City sideline and the coach who pushed Ronnie Harrison. I completely agree. Obviously, Ronnie Harrison can't react like that. He's got to be smarter than that. But that was a pretty, I mean, that was, that was a devastating blow so early in the game. We had just scored our first touchdown of the year off of our first drive. The Chiefs were on their first drive of the year. And then three plays later, Ronnie Harrison's out of the game. One of our best safeties. I mean, he's had a great camp. Obviously, he was hurt, but we expect him to be a big-time player for us. And Grant Delpit didn't dress, so, I mean, MJ Stewart, who was uh, who is, is a converted cornerback, had to play safety for the game. So that was one thing that uh, really struck me is that, I mean, like, I don't understand why Ronnie Harrison took all the blame. It is absolutely unprofessional for a uh, coach 
to come over and push a guy regardless of the situation. There's teammates all over the place around him. Let them handle it. You don't need to be getting involved with other players as a coach. That's very unprofessional, not something that the NFL stands for, and something that probably will be punished at, at some level. I don't know to what extent, but I got to assume there's some kind of fine. Uh, I doubt it'll be a suspension. You can't push a player like that, regardless of the situation. Keep your hands off of him like that. Look, if you want to pull him or like help him out, that's fine. But don't go over there pushing somebody. Like It doesn't make any sense to me. All right, so when it comes to the defense, the three guys that obviously you couldn't stop, uh, Tyreek Hill, Travis Kelsey, Patrick Mahomes. Mahomes had a rushing touchdown. He scored that four-yard little rush uh, in the second quarter. And then Travis Kelsey, six catches for 76 yards, two touchdowns, just a monster. He's always in the mix. He, He knows where to be. He knows how to help Patrick Mahomes. He's a true pro. That's, I mean, there's no other way to put it. Dude's a true pro. And then Tyreek Hill, I mean, just the fastest guy in the league. He's so unbelievable. I don't know how he does, I mean, like, to go that hard all game long, 197 yards, a touchdown on 11 catches, uh, and and it's week in, week out. He always produces. Uh, It's just insane, the three-headed monster that you have to deal with when you go to Kansas City. And that's all they really need. They were talking about how when they uh, lost Sammy Watkins that they would struggle on offense. No way, dude. Between... Uh, those three, and then you add in Demarcus Robinson and Nico Hardman, they're fine. And Edwards Hilaire, who's a good pass catching back and can move around, they're fine. They're they're going to be perfectly fine for a long time as long as they have any semblance of those guys. So obviously, after each loss uh, in the NFL, you want questions answered right away. But uh, Kevin Stefanski did basically just that for like one of the first times ever in a press conference he gave a little bit more information so here's here's kevin stefanski monday uh talking to the media did you come away from that game i realize it's a results-based business but did you come away from that game feeling better about your team as far as just the big overall picture how they played if basically if you clean up those minor mistakes that's a game you win no Uh, i feel about the same as i felt yesterday Uh, disappointed we couldn't get it done Uh, you have to play clean football to win on the road against a good opponent we finished minus two in the turnover margin uh, and you're not gonna be able to win a close game when you do that it's a lot of little things that add up to be a big thing and and it's simple uh, alignment, assignment, technique. Again, schematically what we're asking our players to do. It's our job to put our players in position to succeed. And sometimes we as as coaches fall short. Uh, Sometimes it's just as simple as an alignment, assignment, or technique uh, error. Uh, With all that, you need to play clean football. And you got to do it for 60 minutes, whether it says first, second, third, or fourth quarter. And he's completely right. I mean, there are so many things that they could have cleaned up throughout that game. Uh, coaching, even, I felt like there were a couple of third down plays in in the second half where we didn't set ourselves up or run the right play uh, for what we needed to do. There was like a third and eight on one of the plays that we didn't get the first down on. And we had four guys running 15, 20 yards upfield, and they didn't even turn around until they got there. And, I mean, that's just – it's. It doesn't make sense when you're trying to get eight yards or so and you're running every receiver 15, 20 yards downfield. 
it, it's it's just it's it's poor execution, poor uh, poor coaching, in my opinion. And I think that's stuff that we're going to definitely clean up as the season goes on. We're, we'll get better at. Uh, but Stefanski said it. It comes down to everything, uh, whether it's alignment, assignment, uh, scheme, whatever. They're going to clean all that up. I, I have total faith that in this coaching staff that things are going to be perfectly fine for the rest of the season. Because, I mean, realistically, once again, we should have won that. It was just a couple of crazy instances that happened that realistically lost us the game. All right, so with week one in the books, let's go to my top three games of the week. So my number one game of the week was the Thursday night game between the Cowboys and the Buccaneers, the defending world champions versus Dak Prescott in his first game back since breaking his ankle and Mike McCarthy. So realistically, this should have been another game that the Cowboys won and gave away late. They had the they had the ball with, uh, I think it was a minute and 50 seconds to go where they kicked the field goal and realistically should have won the game on that. The problem is, is you left Tom Brady a minute and 50 seconds. They got the, they had the ball at like the 35, I believe, with two minutes, 30 seconds left, and the Buccaneers had no timeouts. Meanwhile, Mike McCarthy's having play calls sent in that are, once again, after you completely kept Zeke out of the game, game plan all day, um... You, you call passing plays in which incompletions are thrown and stop the clock with two and a half minutes to go. All you need to do is kick a field goal to win it and game's over. But no, you threw passes, incomplete passes, kick a field goal and leave Tom Brady, Tom Brady, a minute and 40 seconds left to drive down and beat you with a field goal. I mean, it make no, makes no sense what he was thinking. This is a guy who's won a Super Bowl. He's been coaching for a long, long time. This is a guy who should have known better, especially against a guy like Tom Brady. Like, come on, this dude has orchestrated game-winning drives for my entire life, basically. Come on, you can't be that stupid. I mean, everyone and their mom knew that with a minute 40 seconds left, Tom Brady was going to go in and end your day. I mean, he was going to win that game. It's just unbelievable. I, I don't understand how that happened. I'm so I, like I don't like either team. I don't like Tom Brady. I don't like the Bucks, and I really don't like the Cowboys. I I have always hated the Cowboys. I'm sorry if you're a Cowboys fan that, and that upsets you, but I hate the Cowboys. Right? You let Tom Brady have a minute and forty seconds left to go beat you, and that's your guys' fault. That's that's Mike McCarthy's fault. That's the coaching staff's fault. Now if Dak Prescott is doing his own thing in the huddle and calling. I'm hoping that's what's happening because there's no way a coaching staff should have allowed that to happen, especially as coaching staff where your head guy has a Super Bowl ring. Just insane. All right, my number two game of the week. Whoo, man, Aaron Rodgers, the Packers, got demolished by the Saints and Jameis Winston. I mean, it, it, it was really ugly. It, it was bad from start to finish for the Packers. It's, uh, it's, it's, an, it's a bad look for the Packers. Uh, an organization that is so proud and has fans that realistically are not going to stand for that, uh, it's not looking good. I mean, the turmoil between Aaron Rodgers and the Green Bay Packers is only going to grow from here. Obviously, uh, 
it, it was an ugly situation, but it got even uglier because Jordan Love went in. He, in my opinion, didn't look all that great. And once again, the Packers are in a situation where they're fighting with Aaron Rodgers. Just another situation. Just embarrassing for the Packers, in my opinion, and Aaron, and Aaron Rodgers. It's just, as, as a guy like that in his position, you cannot start off a season after skipping out on training camp and having all this news said about you throughout the offseason. You cannot come in and game one look like that. It was, it was pretty embarrassing. Now, game three of my uh, top three games of the week. So game three actually helps me in a bunch of different ways, but it is also an interesting game to talk about. It was the Houston Texans and the Jacksonville Jaguars. Now I say it was an interesting game to talk about. I didn't say it was a good game. It definitely wasn't, it was pretty ugly. Um, Now Houston dominated the game, won pretty handily, but the real story is that Jacksonville, man, they just, in, in my opinion, James Robinson, Looked like one of the most miserable human beings on the face of the earth on Sunday. And that's saying something. Game one of your, realistically, he's in his second uh, NFL season, I believe. And you're miserable out there. And there's been a lot of speculation about how Urban Meyer's running that place into the ground, that people are very unhappy with what's going on there. He's got an ego that needs to be stroked constantly. Um, He's in charge of everything. He'll take over different things that he shouldn't be taking over he won't let his coaches coach there's been a lot of things going on that sound really bad in the Jacksonville uh, franchise when it comes to Urban Meyer when it comes to players all that stuff it's it's just they're not looking good they're kind of like right on the road of being around the Houston Texans when it comes to like the inner workings of the franchise that being said the Houston Texans at least played a football game I mean Trevor Lawrence looked iffy i guess you could say that i mean he made some really poor throws he made some decent throws a couple of the throws looked really good but he made some really poor decisions they can't protect him they can't play defense i mean realistically when you use look at houston they shouldn't be beating anybody in the national football league i mean tyrod taylor looked like a pro bowl quarterback against the jaguars it's going to be a long, long, long season for both of those teams. At least the Houston, uh, at least Houston got off to a decent start in beating Jacksonville. Now, as we talk about Houston, we have Houston coming up next week for week two in Cleveland, one o'clock start time. Getting back to the normalcy of things, I hate, I hate four o'clock start times. Kind of leaves you right in the middle of things. I just, I, I, it's one of my least favorite things about Sunday is four o'clock start time. So, 1 o'clock against Houston, we are going to look to bounce back, and I expect us to completely dismantle that entire team. I want to come out swinging on all cylinders next week. I want to win by 35 points, and I don't, I don't even want it to be a question. I want our second team players playing in the fourth quarter. I, I, I want to come out of the Chiefs week feeling much better uh, after week two. And that's not too much to ask against a team like the Texans. We could easily take on the Texans, wipe them out, and just keep keep our season going. Look, it is a long season. I'm not worried about the one loss. Not worried about the one loss. 17-game season this year. Uh, it's the longest one in the history of football, obviously. And we have plenty of time to win games. We will be at the top of the AFC North when the time comes 
barring injury to quite honestly a lot of our players i mean we saw the ravens against the vegas raiders and they looked awful but they are completely devastated by injuries i mean they're in a tough spot right now and that brings me to my afc north spotlight so for the north it was a pretty good week outside of the ravens i mean the ravens looked god awful against the raiders they that game in particular was very very ugly both teams played poorly uh Derek carr made some really really bad throws he ended up scratching out the win somehow though i mean josh jacobs could barely walk he ended up scoring two touchdowns in it but the ravens did lose 33 27 and that's that's huge for us huge for us i mean the ravens were one of the team the basically the only team that we were worried about coming in now the steelers won they beat buffalo 23 to 16. it was once again an ugly game uh, offenses had trouble moving buffalo surprised me on that front because i mean devin singletary broke off a couple nice runs and you think that that would be all that josh allen needs to get the job done against a team like pittsburgh and their offense but realistically it wasn't uh the pittsburgh defense was absolutely stout they held josh allen to basically nothing and they did their job and the pittsburgh steelers won so 23 16 steelers are 1 0 on the year and the Bengals are also 1 1 0 on the year beating the vikings in overtime 27 24. so we look at the afc standings obviously steelers Bengals on top right now 1 0 ravens browns down 0 1. so obviously a lot of season left this is just week one i'm not going to go in depth into the rankings power rankings whatever that we should be at the top of the afc north at the end of the year that's all i'm going to say the uh, steelers their offense i thought they were going to change to help accommodate big ben and his arm doesn't look like that's happening it looks like they're just going to go with the same game plan that they used last year where they had ben's arm falling off at the end of the year and they couldn't beat anybody they went 11 and 0 and then lost the next seven games straight it's just i don't understand how you come out week one and do the same thing you did last year especially when you have this first uh first round draft pick and Najee harris in the backfield and you don't want to use him uh that might just me being a little bit fussy that he only scored like six points fantasy and i got him so that that that's near neither here nor there but they definitely should have done something to change up their game plan and help themselves out even a little bit so in the game there were two rookies that really stood out to me greg newsom was the first one i already mentioned that he had a pretty good game he stood out a little bit but anthony schwartz was the other one a guy who had no preseason time uh very little at least he got a little bit of action in the last game of the preseason but a guy who didn't have much training camp either so we didn't get a very good look at him coming out of training camp or the preseason so he had to prove himself in crunch time i mean he had to prove himself game one i didn't think it was going to happen i mentioned in my podcast i thought they were going to test him out in game two game three and see where we go from there but for the chiefs i didn't think he was going to be put to the test but he was and he succeeded check out his highlights from game one baker goes back to the right side target is there passes two and the browns have a first down at the 22 that's the rookie anthony schwartz out of auburn 
They're hurting our football team. And he told them honestly, and I love that. That was a great decision by Odell. Down the field, wide open to Schwartz. And the rookie tries to catch it on the rebound, and he does. He bobbled it, but going to the ground, he somehow was able to pull it in for 44 yards. Second and six. Cross it to Schwartz with Mayfield out in front. And Schwartz able to pick up a gain of 17. And these are the type of plays. I mean, this is wide open. Yeah, so Schwartz has had a really good NFL debut. You can't ask for much more from him for a guy who just barely even got into the preseason. He ended up with three catches on five targets, 69 yards, and then that carry for 17 yards as well. Really good NFL debut. And I can't wait to see, as long as as Odell's out, he's our number one deep threat option outside of Donovan Peoples-Jones, who only caught the one ball. But uh, I I can't wait to see what he has in store for the coming years, uh, because he's only going to get better. I mean, he's still a pretty raw product. He didn't do a whole lot of football at Auburn. He only spent a couple years playing football he's also the track star so i'm assuming he spent a lot of time doing that but now that he's solely focused on football geez i can't wait to see what he does in the coming years all right as for the baker mayfield situation with the interception at the end of the game a lot of people have brought up the fact that maybe he can't help himself or maybe he doesn't have what it takes to stay calm under pressure Uh, anytime anything goes slightly awry it does seem He kind of tenses up and maybe forces some throws. That definitely happened over uh, Sunday's game. He maybe forced at least three throws. But I'm not going to say that that interception was egregious or anything. I mean, it's, it's tough to say whether or not he did throw it to, uh, I believe it was Harrison Bryant on the edge. It's hard to say whether he was trying to complete the pass to the receiver or just trying to get it out of bounds. I'm hoping that he was just trying to get it out of bounds. Bryant was not open. Um, Hopefully that hit on the foot was just enough to keep it within reach for the defender. And that's how the game ended. And like, I, I don't think that Baker Mayfield has that type of personality where he crumbles under pressure. I don't. Now we haven't seen him succeed under a lot of pressure yet in fact yesterday at the first sign of adversity uh, things started to go haywire he missed a few throws forced a few throws but on the other hand he is a competitor he's been through this before he's always been the underdog in his life being uh, smaller than most of the guys he's played against or with uh, in college probably even high school but I mean I I trust him wholeheartedly I, I think He's only going to get better and better each game. So quit acting like this was the end of the world, that that was the worst throw in the world. It wasn't. Things happen. It was his only interception of the game uh, after playing an immaculate, immaculate first half. And realistically, he played a pretty decent second half. We just we couldn't stay on the field. We shot ourselves in the foot a couple times, and that's that's the end of it, plain and simply. Next week, I think it, it's going to be a different story for Baker. Baker Once again, he probably won't have to go through too much adversity going against the Texans, but it is going to be a good chance to see how he bounces back from that kind of ending. Can't wait to see it. Once again, Houston on Sunday next week, 1 o'clock. All right, Baker's going to come back. We're going to have a good win. We're going to have a good thing to talk about next week on the show. 
So it's, until then, guys, thank you so much for listening. I'm Jake Heyer, your host. We'll be back next week to recap the Browns game and lead us into week three. Have a good day, guys.